all due respect to the NFL, but yesterday belonged to college basketball. What a kickoff to Feast Week. Andy Patton, give me all the turkey. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You know what? It's the only daily national college hoop show out there, five days a week, part of the Locked On College Podcast Network. We are your co-hosts. He's Andy Patton. My name is Isaac Shade. And boy, Andy, seriously, we set it off the top, but it was a great, great Sunday of college basketball. We had quadruple header, <laughs> high-level games on ESPN, Illinois, Virginia, followed by Baylor, UCLA, Kentucky, Gonzaga. And, and as we record this, full transparency, we're at <laughs> halftime of Oregon, Houston. Uh, the Cougars, if I remember correctly, have a 31-24 lead at the half. Yep. And uh, can't, we'll keep tabs on it as we're going here and keep you up to date. This is four of the top five teams, five of the top eight, not to mention that Virginia's hopping right mm -hmm. up in there. Andy, for me, if Michigan State was the team of the first half of last week, mm -hmm. everything Virginia has been through in the last seven, eight days, yep. they are the team of this weekend. Where are you at on that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, what an incredible day of basketball on Sunday. I, to, to see so many, to see a, a Baylor-UCLA game, like five versus eight, just in the middle of the day on a Sunday, that is incredible. And there's can be plenty of other conversations that can and will and should be had about whether college basketball should be competing in the middle of football season. And I know that that is a, a prominent talking point, but man, I got to tell you, I really like turning on the TV in the middle of the day and seeing Baylor in UCLA or Illinois, Virginia, of course, Zags cats was an all timer, but yes, I'm with you hundred percent for Virginia for Tony Bennett's team to be coming off of a pretty rough year and really just kind of a, a there was a lot of concern about what are they going to be this year? You know, they had some hype, some, some expectations coming into this season and like, Oh, they're going to be back. They're going to bounce back that defense that we've seen out of Bennett's teams. And and there was still a little bit of like, are they going to actually be there? Is this going to be kind of when they finally turn the corner and, and aren't really that program that's up at the top all the time, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. Virginia pulled off some monster victories here this weekend. Really, really nice showing. Uh, from the Cavaliers, and I think that Tony Bennett proved that his team is is right gonna, is going to be right in the thick of things with all the other blue bloods that we're used to seeing at the top. Uh, and it's a really nice showing for him this weekend. Absolutely, I mean, coming into the season, uh, people that know were like, "Hey, Virginia, be ready, this is happening." And mm -hmm. people are like, "Did you see them last year?" It's a lot of those same guys. <laughs> yeah. No, it ain't happening. Yeah. But listen, we are here to tell you the top tier mm -hmm. of the ACC yeah. is North Carolina, is Duke. Mm -hmm and it's Virginia, and then a whole mess right after that, and we'll talk about that later in the show because, what yeah. ACC, what's going on there? But, Andy, what I mean, it was seven, eight days ago, November 13th, last Sunday, when the shooting happened at Virginia. They canceled yep. the game on Monday against Northern Iowa, and then they knock off Baylor on Friday, the 15th, yep. number five in the nation, 86-79, and then they not beat Illinois in what was the unexpected championship yep. game of the uh, Continental Tire main event out in Las Vegas. Yep. Uh, they used a 13-0 run. Virginia uses a 13-0 run to close out this <laughs> game and, and wins what, to me, was easily the highest level MTE multi-team event of, of the ones that had four teams in it. I mean, goodness, Illinois, Virginia, Baylor, UCLA, that is incredible. 
Yeah, it was uh, what a performance from Virginia in this game. You know, we talked, we talked, you mentioned the shooting and obviously the horrificness that kind of came with, with that story and having to rebound from something like that. And for them to do so in, in the way that they have, and you said 13, nothing run, like scoring is, has never been Virginia's strong suit under Tony Bennett, but holding teams to zero points for long periods of time. That's right up their alley. <laughs> right up their alley. Uh, <laughs> and they did that here uh, against Illinois outscored them by 11 in the second half. They were down at halftime. It was a two point game, but they were down at halftime, come back and win that one. Uh, not the team we expected to win the championship, but again, uh, Virginia's, they were 16th coming into the, into this weekend. So it's not like we were surprised that a team ranked just outside the top 15 won a couple of games. Like that's pretty expected, but they did it against some really high level competition and proved that they are, like we said, right in that conversation with a handful of teams that we knew would be there in the top 10, a handful of teams that maybe we didn't know were going to be there in the top 10, but Virginia is going to, going to be a part of that conversation. And frankly, the way that they played in this game, they're going to be a part of that conversation for the long time this season. Absolutely. And the unexpected side effect of this uh, event is that UCLA is the team that leaves it at 0 and 2. And Andy, I think that's less about UCLA not being good. And just about all four of these to me are extremely high level basketball teams that I not only wouldn't be surprised to see, but kind of expect to see all four of these in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament come March. Yeah. I I was going to say, I think UCLA, it doesn't say as much about UCLA, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not pumped about where UCLA is right now. I think watching them in the Baylor game and and Baylor's a phenomenal defensive team uh, and, and often, I mean, Baylor's a very good team just period. Uh, but, But watching UCLA, like, I, I, Jaime Hawkins hasn't been the guy that you expect him to be. He's not Johnny Juzang. Yeah, yeah, he's not Johnny Juzang. They they don't have a Johnny Juzang. That's the no. problem. No. They they had that guy who could be, you know, they don't have a Jules Bernard even. He, he was phenomenal for them as well. And Tiger Campbell is great, but he can't be a facilitator in this offense. He has to be a scorer. He's leading the team in scoring right now, which is great. But I, I, I think word. that UCLA's, the best version of UCLA is probably not Tiger Campbell being their leading scorer. And that's what we've seen from them so far. Jalen Clark had a really nice game against Baylor. He's a really nice piece, but where, where's Amari Baylor Bailey top prospect coming into the class. Like 20, one of the, one of the best freshmen in the country. He, he he didn't show up at all. And we're, we're talking about a freshman before Thanksgiving. There's a significant caveat. Anytime (laughs) you're talking about a freshman before Thanksgiving, but if he's not going to be that guy, I have some concerns about the Bruins. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, that said, Baylor was phenomenal in the consolation game, the game that should have been the title game Uh, for Baylor, similar to Marcus Sasser being able to get back from injury and play full strength for Houston this year. I Mm -hmm. love seeing LJ Cryer back for Baylor. He and Adam Flagler could be. If it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> Houston's backcourt, yeah. uh, could be LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, the best backcourt in the country. And then when you pair that with Keontae George, yeah. the boy wonder, right? He just looks like a baby. Yeah. Um, in this game, Cryer and Flagler combined for 50 of yeah. Baylor's 80 points. And keep in mind, Baylor still does not have Jonathan Chama Chachua back. This mm-hmm. team is already good enough to be a second weekend NCAA tournament team. Yep. If he's back and rolling, they could be the third straight Big 12 team to cut down the nets. Absolutely. This Baylor team reminds me a lot of that 21 team where they had just an incredible guard room with Davion Mitchell and Jared Butch, Butler and Maceo Teague. 
and just could beat everybody with physicality, could beat everybody by going one-on-one with their guards, getting to the rim, finishing through contact. This guard room looks really similar to me in a lot of ways. And uh, with them still, you know, they they still got a lot of season left. Keontae George is going to get better. He didn't look great in this game. He's going to get a lot better. That's right. When that happens, I think this team's going to be really dangerous in March. So, Andy, we began this segment by talking about Virginia, and I want to end it, circle back around. Mm-hmm. If Michigan State was our team of the first half of the week, Virginia is the team of the back half of the week, and if Texas is the team of the middle half of the week, what a performance against Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah. Which of these three teams would mm-hmm. you say is ranked higher when the rankings come out today on Monday afternoon? Yeah, I think it's going to be Texas, and I think that it's probably going to be fairly close. Uh, Texas, anytime you can beat the number two team in the country by about 20, I think it was a 19-point victory overall. Uh, that It's really hard to not jump from there. Texas also starts higher than the other two programs. Texas is 11th right now, Virginia 16th, Michigan State unranked. Uh, I think all three of them will be fairly close to each other, and I think all three of them should be fairly close to each other, but I think Texas will ultimately be the team that is in the highest spot when the rankings come out, mostly because especially with Gonzaga beating Kentucky, that helps Texas's resume look even better because they absolutely blew the doors off of them on Wednesday. And that win is enough for me to have them higher than these other two teams, even though they both had some nice, had a really nice week as well. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Gonzaga beating Kentucky, those two top four teams had both lost earlier in the week and they squared off on Sunday night. How did things turn out between Gonzaga and Kentucky? Andy just gave you a little bit of a primer on it. We're going to unpack it more in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so more families can feel safe, secure, and at peace this holiday season. Here's why I love it. You can monitor it all from your cell phone, keeping your house like mine, which is a smart home, ready to go. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents are on the ball to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real so that they can dispatch and give you priority police assistance. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't you wait and don't you miss it. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Because you know what, Andy? There's no safe like Simply Safe. And by the way, for your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide you. It's available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. That's Locked On Sports Today. Okay, Andy, highest profile game of the weekend. Number two, Gonzaga. Number four, Kentucky. And boy, though the score wasn't as close as a good game, it lived up to the billing. Get us into it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible game of basketball between Mark Few, John Calipari, Oscar Sheway, Drew, Timmy. It's the matchup everybody wanted to see. Not quite in the location everybody wanted to see it. Got to take a little bit of a dig at this game taking place at the Spokane Arena as opposed to being at the kennel. But you know what? You know what? That game was popping. The Spokane Arena was going absolutely nuts. It definitely felt like a home game for the Gonzaga crowd. And Calipari and the Wildcats were just out of their game. For Gonzaga to respond 
to what happened to them against Texas on Wednesday, for them to respond to that and beat a team like Kentucky and not just win, but beat them pretty badly. It was a 16 point game. It got to as close as four in the second half. Like Kentucky got completely ran out of the gym. They did not. But at the same time, if you watched all 40 minutes of this basketball game, there was very few periods of time where it felt like Kentucky was going to win. Very, very few. And that is an incredible testament to what Mark Few and his staff was able to do in a very short period of time between getting their butts handed to them. That's a good word. Yes. <laughs> on Wednesday to playing on Sunday, this small amount of time to get ready for a huge high profile game like that. Starting point guard Nolan Hickman was banged up against Texas. We weren't even sure going into this game if he was going to play for the Zags to turn it around and win in the matter that they won to absolutely neutralize Oscar Shibway. He had 20 and 15. It's not like he didn't have a, a good game, but a lot of that kind of was a somewhat inconsequential times. Anton Watson, a four-year role player for the Zags, had one of the best games, if not the best game of his entire collegiate career. Two highlight reel dunks, incredible defense on Shibway all game long. Kentucky couldn't make a three until the second half. Just an all-around outstanding dominant performance from a program that looked mortal for the first time in a long time on Wednesday. They yeah. really looked like, Hey, this might, this might be a year where Gonzaga isn't the team that we're talking about every single week from now until March. And then they do that. And now you're like, well, I think they're going to be they're, they're gonna be in that conversation still. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what? Maybe coach Cal should have agreed to play this game in the kennel. Things might've gone better. Yeah, it for... couldn't have gone worse, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, I, what you said, about I felt like Gonzaga was in control of this whole game mm-hmm. and what a response because a lot of times when Kentucky starts to make that push yeah. they, they out athlete you they whatever yeah. they need to do and when they got it down to four man Gonzaga responded and mm-hmm. I think that was huge for me as I'm watching what is Gonzaga going to be this year mm-hmm. specifically coming out of what happened on Wednesday as you talked about and they said we are a team that is veteran that is experienced that has confidence, and we trust in our ability to do what we need to do. And I tell you what, Kentucky had no answer for Drew Timmy in this no, thing. No. Uh, Sheboy's on the bench with four fouls, and, mm-hmm. and Mr. Ware goes to the bench with four fouls. Mm-hmm. They try to put uh, Ware, or excuse me, Jacob Toppin on him, yeah, and and he can't do anything. Although, man, Jacob Toppin is mm-hmm. is doing some man that yeah. mid range game he's got yeah. going is smooth, uh, yeah. and, and Kentucky's going to need that, but. Drew Timmy's footwork is just so next level in the post. And so, man, I, I was just super impressed with that. My favorite thing that we saw in this game, and it's it's good and bad for Gonzaga, is they, they've won this game and they won the Michigan State game in spite of some of their issues. Those issues showed up in a big way in the Texas game and they were – not, not able to mount them. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they did not overcome those issues in that game. But Gonzaga still turned the ball over a bunch in this game. They still have legitimate issues taking care of the basketball. Uh, their outside shooting was much better in this game. They shot seven of 19. But guess what? All seven makes came from Rasir Bolton and Julian Strother. Those right. two guys combined to go seven of 12. The rest of the team, 0 for 7. So they still have some concerns on this roster. The guard play is spotty. It's a little bit suspect. But for them to pull off a win like this, when they are turning the ball over 18 times in this game, it's a tremendous testament to what they're able to do. I think I think John Calipari and the Wildcats deserve some criticism here too, though. I think that part of the issue in this game was not taking advantage of what Gonzaga's, what Gonzaga's weak points are. 
Texas As put Texas together did. a yep. blueprint. I mean, Texas gave you a 40-minute film to watch to say, here's what to do to beat Gonzaga. We did not see Kentucky do some of that stuff. One of the big things I thought going into that game is like, how is Gonzaga going to stop Severe Wheeler? He's just going to drive to the basket. He's going to drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. He only took six shots in this game. Four of them were from deep. He was not out there attempting to get to the rim. They, that just wasn't an aspect of their game. Jacob Toppin, nice game, but he missed 11 shots too. Like he, they weren't really utilizing him in ways that I think that they're capable of utilizing him and multiple possessions in a row, back to back to back. They're going to Oscar Shibway in the mid post. That's what, that's their plan. They, they have succeeded in getting Shibway the ball where they want him to have the basketball and it's not working. Anton Watson's stripping the ball from him. Drew Timmy's taking the ball from him. He's missing shots he normally makes. They don't make an adjustment. They do eventually in the second half. And part of this was like, like Reeves went two of seven from deep. He normally shoots better than that. Severe Wheeler, one of four. CJ Frederick, one of six. That was the key. That was to me. Yep. Right. He only had one point. He played 30, or excuse me, one one shot. Yeah. Three points in 36 minutes for CJ Frederick. That's just straight up. got to have If Kentucky is going to succeed, he Mm -hmm. has to hit from outside. Absolutely. And I think that that Calipari, they they tried to do some things that, that work well for Kentucky, but that kind of played into Gonzaga's strength as opposed to trying to play towards Gonzaga's weaknesses. And I think ultimately... We saw them play an even half. The second half was 47 all for both teams. Yep. They, they can they clearly play with this team, but they, they came in with a, what I thought was a subpar a game plan, to be quite honest, and it did not go well for them against no. the Zags. No. Uh, to your point about Severe Wheeler, had four assists in this game, the first three games of the season for Kentucky, 11 assists, eight assists, 10 assists. Yep. They've, similar to what we said about Tiger Campbell earlier, mm-hmm. he's got to be distributing – Getting yeah. Casey Wallace involved. That dude is legit. I love Casey Wallace. He he is one of like mm-hmm. as a freshman is going to be one of the best defenders in the country. Yep. His shot is like I yep. cannot wait to watch more yep. of him. But uh, man, Gonzaga, as we said, great comeback, doing what they need to mm-hmm. on the right place to to kind of launch them into this coming weekend's pk 85 yeah absolutely i think gonzaga you know prior to this it was like if they don't do well against kentucky is this going to be a team that that looks all that good against duke if they end up playing them or even purdue or or some of the matchups that they might get now much less concern about that but we got a lot of really good mtes this week we teased (laughs) the pk 85 we talked about that already but there are multiple other fantastic events coming up this week we're going to talk all about them right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college basketball is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the court for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Virginia's performance in Las Vegas. This has been such a, a, a tough emotional time for Virginia as a university for them to come out and win two huge games against top 10 opponents. The Cavaliers are back. Tony Bennett has this team back in that conversation. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, Isaac. Yes. Quick hitters here. 
to start the final portion of the show. Uh, obviously, there's 350 Division One teams in college basketball, so we do not have the ability as much as we would like to love to. Frankly, we don't have the ability to tell you about every single basketball game that takes place. But we want to be able to do here at least a couple times a week or at least once a week is give you just kind of some quick hitters as to what games happened last week. The most exciting moments that maybe didn't get their own individual conversation. I want to start with another really exciting game that happened on Sunday. I didn't quite make it onto the really ridiculous slate of games that ESPN had, but that is the Ohio Michigan game incredible end of regulation. Ohio was up seven uh, in this game and, and Michigan came all the way back, tied it up two seconds left. Ohio threw it across the court, bounced off the backboard, off the rim. Ohio player picked it up, missed the shot off the rebound. Another player scored, sent that one into overtime. What an incredible sequence of events. Unfortunately for Ohio, Michigan still managed to pull off a victory 69 to 66. What a crazy game this was going on at the same time as Gonzaga and Kentucky. I'm so excited to start doing this quick hitters segment, mm-hmm. Andy, where we can just run around and catch games that yep. otherwise we likely wouldn't talk about. I'm so excited yep. Yep. Uh, to start this segment. And uh, folks, if you have some quick hitter ideas that mm-hmm. we might not have on our radar, send them in to us on DMs yep. or wherever it may be, and we yep. will include it and make sure to give you the credit. Okay, this game was on Saturday. This is Southeastern Louisiana and mm-hmm. the Campbell fighting camels. You love it. You might say that Campbell in this game was not able to get over the hump. Hey, oh, uh, Campbell leads by 20, 20 points, Andy Patton, with 458 left in regulation. Southeastern Louisiana comes back to win 70 to 69 in regulation. It didn't even take overtime. Uh, Ken Palm tweeted out that per the NCAA, this is a new record for the largest deficit overcome with less than five minutes to go. Wow. And yikes, Campbell. Somewhere, uh, what? goodness gracious, that's got to change. That's an absolute wild, wild result. Uh, the next really wild just team in general that I want to talk about is the Colorado Buffaloes. Tad Boyle has, I don't know if he knows, we certainly don't know what the heck that he's got with this roster right now. This team is three and three on the year, which seems fine. They've won, they've, they've alternated win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Two of their wins are against Tennessee, who was ranked 11th at the time, and Texas Perfect. A&M, who was Great. ranked 24th at the time. Their other wins against UC Riverside. Not a bad group of wins there. Pretty darn good. Top-ranked teams. They also beat Texas A&M by 28 points. They beat Texas A&M by 28 points. They beat Tennessee by 12 points in a game where it never really felt like they were a threat to lose. They also have losses to Grambling. What? UMass. What? And now on Sunday, they lost to Boise State. Boise State, clearly the best of those three teams, but still none of those teams light a candle when compared to Tennessee and Texas A&M. This has been a baffling start to the season for Colorado. A good team, Tad Boyle, has continued to churn out good quality teams with the talent that he has. They seem to outperform their their kind of expected production most seasons. But this is still very, very weird. I'm very curious. The Pac-12 is kind of in a strange spot regardless this season, and and seeing how Colorado finishes up is, is one of the stories I'm really excited to follow as this year goes on. Yuck. Our final quick hitter note, it was another rough day on Sunday for the middle and low end of the ACC. Virginia, fantastic job at the top end. North Carolina finally looked like the number one team in the Mm -hmm. nation, but Virginia Tech lost to College of Charleston. 
Boston College blown out by Tarleton, and Wake loses to Loyola Marymount, and Miami loses to Maryland. That one's more understandable, but Virginia mm-hmm. Tech and Miami in particular, they, to me, are right in that second tier below Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. ACC could be dominated by that top three in an unusual way this season. I want to toss out real quick, Isaac, since you mentioned LMU. LMU is a really horrifically blown lead away from being 5-1 and one on the season. They are 4-2. and two. They lost to UC Riverside 81-79. to 79. I think they were up by like 15 at one point in that game. They just picked up back-to-back wins over Wake Forest and Georgetown. I don't think LMU is that good of a team. I'm not like super. No, because Georgetown, Georgetown is terrible. Because Georgetown is bad and Wake Forest just played a, an ugly game, but it's, an, it's another, it's pretty unique resume for Stan Johnson and the LMU Lions early in the year so far as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, here's how we want to end today's show. It is the beginning of Feast Week. It's Thanksgiving week. So excited to just indulge in all the stuff. But one of the best things about it for us here on Locked on College Basketball is it means that Sunday's great game lineup was just an appetizer for everything that's to come. So there are all sorts of what we call MTEs, multi-team events. And we want to just highlight three of the premier ones, and we're going to take them in order of when they start. The first of which starts today. Finally, finally, this event is back in Hawaii. The Maui Invitational, the Maui Gym Maui Invitational, starts on Monday, championship game on Wednesday. So what Andy and I are going to do is we're going to take you through these three MTEs give you who we think is going to be in the championship game and who will win. So on one half of the bracket, Maui's an eight-team tournament. We've got Arizona versus Cincinnati, San Diego State versus Ohio State. So, Andy, let's go ahead and make our pick for that side of the bracket. I'm going to take the Aztecs. A little, uh, some bump. Mm-hmm. If if he starting, I think this yep. is where it happens. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I was thinking that my fun prediction would be the Aztecs as well, but I'm actually going to take Arizona. I think uh, Arizona is just a really, really good team, and I think they're going to win both those. But that San Diego State-Ohio State game could oh, be good to start this off. On one. the other half, probably the best first-round game of this one is Texas Tech and Creighton. And mm-hmm. then on paper, normally Louisville-Arkansas is a great game. Yeah, Not so much this year. Who are you going with, Andy? I'm going to take Arkansas. I think they they got themselves an easier first game. Certainly against Louisville, they'll be a little bit more rested in terms to take on the winner of the te- the Tech Creighton game. I think Creighton wins that one. Uh, I think that's going to be a good game though. And then I think Arkansas Creighton is a fantastic basketball Boy. game. But I'm going to give the edge to Arkansas on that one. Yep, I'm going to go with Creighton to match up with San Diego State in that championship mm-hmm. game. Kind of two outside the what you think of in the Power Five structure there, yep. and give me the Creighton Blue Jays to win I Maui. I like it. Who are you going with, Andy? Patton? I'm going to take Arkansas. Uh, I think Arkansas over Arizona in that situation. Uh, that's going to be a close one as well, though. Uh, Arizona has some really, really good guard play, but they dealt with a lot of loss from last year's roster and I'm just not quite sure they're ready to to take on the challenge in this one I think you give me the hogs for Arkansas okay then starting Wednesday finishing up on Friday is the battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas on one side we got defending champs Kansas against NC State Dayton versus Wisconsin then we flip over we got Butler versus Tennessee and BYU versus USC I'm going to go ahead and give you my championship game I'm Mm -hmm. going Kansas and Tennessee with The Tennessee Volunteers upsetting Kansas in this one. 
Oh, nice. It helps out the resume for, for Colorado there, if that's the case. Um, definitely taking Kansas out of the first part there. Uh, Dayton is a good squad, but I, they're, they're not going to beat Kansas. I think they'll beat Wisconsin, but I don't think they're going to beat Kansas. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna take Tennessee, too. Uh, I, USC is going to beat BYU. I think Tennessee will take care of Butler. Uh, but I'm going to take Kansas winning it all. Uh, Tennessee has proven that they can be really, really good, but they have had some some – challenges as well hence the Colorado joke uh, and I think Kansas is ultimately going to pull that one out yes that is likely so but I just really want Tennessee to do it because I love fun. what they got <laughs> PK 85 is our final MTE we're looking at starts Thursday on Thanksgiving games mm-hmm. on Friday we skip on Saturday and then we move on to Sunday in the championship games two separate 18 brackets in the PK Invitational UNC versus Portland, Iowa State versus Villanova. On the other side, Alabama, Michigan State, and UConn, Oregon. I'm going to – I got to go with UNC. In a lot of other years, Villanova would be right there. Just slow start under Kyle Neptune Mm -hmm. so far. And then I I can't pick against Michigan State, although I think that Michigan State-Alabama game will be really good. But Mm -hmm. then I'll take North Carolina – overcoming Tom Izzo in the PKI side of things. Well, it's not as fun to do exactly what you do, so I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I do think UNC is definitely going to win the first portion there. Uh, obviously, Portland is is a up-and-coming team, but is not going to beat no. North Carolina. Um, whether Iowa State or Villanova wins, I think North Carolina wins that one. Um, but I think... I think I might go with Michigan State. I think yep. Michigan State, uh, yep. they got to get by Alabama. I mean, they got to get by Bama and probably UConn. UConn, yeah, not, not going to be easy at all. Nope. And if they, but if they can get by those games, heck, <laughs> North Carolina is beatable. Absolutely, uh, they are. And Michigan State has that toughness and that physicality that could potentially uh, do some damage there. I think it'd be pretty fun if this ends up being a season where we kind of talked about Tom Izzo's team as like, oh, they have a really hard schedule, but we'll see what happens. And they end up winning almost Dude. all of those games. <laughs> be wacky all right pk legacy bracket and you're gonna give me your choices first since i've yeah. been hogging it yes, we got, absolutely we got duke oregon state florida xavier on one side purdue west virginia and portland state gonzaga on the other i will be at every one of these games and i cannot nice. wait to watch all of them uh, i'm gonna take uh gonzaga duke is gonna be my, my championship game here i think uh gonzaga is gonna have some if purdue wins that one i think Gonzaga is gonna have some legit trouble with the boilermakers uh zach Eady is an absolute load uh but gonzaga especially the way they just played against kentucky they play like that they're gonna be just about everybody and, and i think duke quite frankly, is going to clean house on that side of the bracket there. Uh, Florida and Xavier are both good teams, but Duke should beat both of them quite handily. And then we get Gonzaga Duke, and I'm probably going to lean the Blue Devils there uh, as much as a North Carolina Duke winning each of their respective fields would be not all that fun. Uh, (laughs) I do think that it is quite possible. And if Duke is at full health or even close to full health, uh, that's a really tough team for anybody to beat. I agree with that. Although I'm going to take Gonzaga because I just, while Kyle Filipowski has mm-hmm. been incredible and I can't yeah. wait to see him and Colin Castleton, if Florida beats Xavier, that would be incredible. But mm-hmm. I, I just haven't seen enough yet from Derek yeah. Lively coming back and Derek yeah. Whitehead is just back. I don't know what we're going to see from him yet. Yeah. Not much in his first game. And so I'm going to take the Bulldogs, assuming they're playing like they did on yeah. Sunday night against Kentucky to win the Phil Knight legacy. All right, well, that is going to do it for us today. Heading into Feast Week and the MTEs is one of the most exciting weeks in college basketball. So make Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. We are here for you five times a week on YouTube or wherever you already get podcasts. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy all of the fun games coming up this week. Peace out. Peace.